You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful for what we celebrate here this afternoon, that you are with us, that Christmas is the story of you coming for people out of your love, coming to unite us with yourself, to make us one with you, to rescue us, redeem us, forgive us, Let us respond to that great news, the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what he came to do for sinners by saying, here are our lives for you. We ask you all the churches in our community, churches around the country, around the world, as they proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ today, or may we be found worthy of the honor that you deserve. May we present to you worship, which is what you deserve for what you have done for us. We are thankful for Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Now this here is from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a book written for kids, uh, but it is very applicable to adults. Sally Lloyd-Jones writes this, no, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, his everything, to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There's lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story about how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. At the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is not like the the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is a child upon whom everything would depend. I'm here to tell you this afternoon that we're not really concerned about whether or not Jesus is the reason for the season. That's Christian cliche. You hear it all the time, this time of year. It's right, it's correct, but that's not what we get worked up about around here. Instead, we want you to know that this story of Christmas changes everything. Rather than being the reason for the season, which he is, Jesus is, this Christmas story changes everything for you, and it changes everything for me. Because I'm convinced the greatest threat to Christmas, it's not secularism, it's not consumerism, but maybe our own indifference, our own boredom, our own shoulders shrug to the most thrilling and greatest story that has ever been told, the story of God with us. I'm gonna get myself in trouble here, but it's, it's, it's kind of a, a women's thing where usually 30 and under, where you declare a birthday month. Not a birthday, not even a birthday weekend, that would make sense, but a birthday month. Like your birthday is March 28th and you're going out to lunch with the girls on March 2nd for your birthday. It's just a thing. It's something, we know you're an influencer and you're selling a product and all the things, but it's, it's just a thing. 
And I wonder sometimes if that's what we have done with Jesus and the Christmas story, is we have given him a birthday month, which sounds great on the surface and is obviously important and is a really big deal, but what happens after your own birthday month is over? You 26-year-old Instagram stars in the room. What happens? Everybody just moves on. Like, we'll give you a birthday month. We ain't giving you a birthday two days after the month's over. Like, we move on to the next thing, the next holiday, the next observance. It's somebody else's birthday month that they get to claim. And it's so easy, and I never preach from about something that I don't deal with myself, to observe it all and enjoy it all and then just move on. So what happens when we treat the birth of Christ simply as Jesus' birthday month and just graduate? Well, you know this story. I'm just going to assume you know this story. People who aren't even Christians, maybe who are here checking it out, are somewhat familiar with the story. The characters you know, it seems to be almost a universal understanding of the nativity scene. The significance of it, you might not be very familiar with, but at least the, the big idea, the big picture. Uh, you have Mary here, who's you know, quite the star. People call her the Virgin Mary. Some people even pray to her. I mean, she's a huge deal. Uh, you got Joseph here, who's in the background as usual, poor guy, uh, in the background. And then you have the shepherds. Maybe your son or daughter was a shepherd in the preschool play, uh, you know, when they were little kids and you remember that. Maybe they weren't quite Mary or Joseph material, uh, but they were shepherds uh, in the play. The big dogs got Mary and Joseph, right? And then you got the angel here. A little later came the wise men, the magi, but they still get included in the story so often in kind of our pop cultural understanding of Jesus. Like, we know the story. But if we walk out of here and then get rid of December and move on to January and the New Year's resolutions and the new year, and something doesn't happen in here, because what we claim to believe about this story you notice somebody's missing here. Somebody's missing in front of us. The star of the story, the hero of the story, and here is my fear for Tallahassee. Here is my fear this Christmas, is that we really know the story, but we're missing the Savior. We know the story. You can articulate it. You know the words of the songs. They even sing the songs about him at Starbucks and Target. You know the story. Every Hallmark movie has a living nativity scene that the girl from New England who moved back ends up with a town hunk and somehow by coincidence they were Mary and Joseph in the play and she rediscovers the Christmas spirit inherits her grandmother's inn, and they live happily ever after, right? I mean, the story's, the story's everywhere. Like, it, it's everywhere. I worry that we know the story in Tallahassee, but we like the Savior. We like his birthday month, but do we know the Savior? Here's the scripture say. Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 said this. He said, you've nullified the word of God because of your tradition." He's not saying tradition is bad. Leah just sang a beautiful song. And one of the lyrics was, our tradition points us to Christ. Tradition is a wonderful thing. But how often do our traditions get in the way of us actually seeing the whole point of the story? That Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. That the reason why there's a baby in the manger is because he came on a mission. 
And on that mission, he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died a death that we deserved because of our rebellion against God, our saying, God, no thanks, I don't want you. I want your stuff instead. I don't want to worship you. I might believe in you and think you're out there, but I want to worship me, and God can't let that go unpunished. But our loving and merciful God, rather than punishing us as our sins deserve, punished Jesus in our place on the cross to forgive us of our sins, to reconcile us, to make us new. Jesus said this, you pour over the scriptures. He's talking to religious people here who are very observant. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. As in you're digging into the religion, you're digging into the traditions, and yet they testify about me. As in you're getting the story, but you're missing the point of the story. He adds this in verse 40. But you're not willing to come to me so that you may have life. How many people in our community are desperate for life? And they're looking everywhere but to the one who actually provides life for us. They even look to their traditions and look to their idea of religion but miss the savior of the story altogether. And then Joseph was told this by the angel when the announcement of Mary's pregnancy came to him. She will give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. As in this is the point of it all. This is not just the reason for the season. This is the civilization altering event of all time. That God has come to us to do what we couldn't do, which was reconcile ourselves to him. See, what we get at Christmas is a radical encounter with God's love. A love that will change your life if you receive it. Because let's be honest here. This is not liberal or conservative or somewhere in between. When you see in Matthew 121 that he will be called Jesus because the name means he's going to save people from their sins. If that's what the Bible says, and that means that's the whole point of him coming in the first place, it means I have sins that needed to be saved. That I've committed sins that I must be saved from. And thankfully, God met the greatest need that exists. And the greatest need that exists is our forgiveness. So the point of the baby was to go to a cross. And if you have an understanding of Jesus that is void of the cross, then you have a manger, you have a nativity scene without a manger. It really is that simple. My friend told a story of going on the mission field. And while he was there in a, in a third world country, there were some people from different religions who were in the conversation in the home, in the village. And they're telling stories, talking about their beliefs and their religion. And, and they said kind of the normal thing you'd hear on Florida State's campus or around town. They'd say, well, you know, we just think that all religions ultimately lead to the same place. Like you have your religion, you know, we're all going on different maps and all going on different roads, but eventually we all have the same destination. That sounds nice when you first hear it. And my, the, my friend went on, he's listening, and they said, it's like God's on top of the mountain. These are not atheists, not agnostics, other religions. God's on top of the mountain. And we're all trying to find our way up to him. And eventually, through hard work and Trial and error, we're, we're, we're going to get to him. We're all the same. And my buddy said, oh, do I have a story for you. 
Because the story of Christmas is not us trying to make our way up the mountain. We have tried that and failed miserably. Christmas is the story of God coming down the mountain to bring us up to himself. That's what makes Christianity, outside the resurrection of Jesus Christ, different than anything else. Everything else is, let's strive for God, let's work our way to him. Instead, God said, no, you've tried that and failed, I'm coming to you. And that's the story of Christmas beginning the fulfillment of the promise that God made to his people that a redeemer would come who would save them from their sins and reconcile them to God. So once we realize that we're not going to the top of the hill, that we're trusting the one who has come down from that figurative hill to us, that's when we begin not to understand that Jesus is the reason for the season, but that Jesus is the whole story of it all. So please don't be someone, and I'm talking to myself, who understands the story, but misses the Savior altogether. Because it's a story that goes back to the beginning of time, when then God would create human beings for himself. And rather than those human beings worship him, they worship other things instead, breaking that relationship with God. And we see the rest of the Bible story is the story unfolding of God pursuing and redeeming and forgiving and making a broken people whole again. So please stop looking everywhere else, even the good things, that we can easily make God things when God has given us the way back to himself and his name is Jesus. Any other way, if, if that guy's right, or the guys in the village are right, that everywhere just kind of goes to the same place, we're all trying, we're gonna get to the destination, then they just declared a nativity scene without a manger. Because why would we care and why would it matter? The scriptures say that if righteousness, Galatians chapter two, can be attained, can be achieved by keeping the law, as if our goodness with God can be attained and achieved by following the rules, by being religious, he goes, you know what? Then Christ died for nothing. And if Christ died for nothing and all roads lead to the same place, why did the angels come in the sky and say, hey, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. The Savior who's been promised, he's been born. Why? Because there's one way to God, and God has given us the way in his love, and his name is Jesus. So when we say Merry Christmas, we tell the story, but the center of the story is the Savior. And any Christmas presentation or observance that doesn't include the cross is a different holiday altogether. Because he was born that he may die. And he died so that we might live. And we might live because he lives right now as the resurrected king, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. That's the story of Christmas. God coming down the mountain to bring the people to himself. And it was only possible through the blood of Jesus on our behalf. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news? Don't miss Don't miss the Savior in the story, because he is the whole entire point. Special to be together tonight. Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful that you have met our greatest need, which is to be reconciled to you, that no one in this room that knows Jesus 
has to go to bed at night wondering where they stand because Jesus has accomplished it. The baby born in the manger grew up and accomplished the reason he came in the first place, which was to forgive the people. Lord, I ask that by faith we will all trust in you. I ask that what we believe to be true about you will lead us to repentance away from ourselves and our own stubbornness and selfishness and defensiveness and instead we'll actually believe that Jesus is the one he claimed to be and see that as the greatest offering and expression of love one could ever possibly imagine. I'm thankful that you didn't just tell us you love us, you showed us you loved us by sending Christ and now we are in your hands forever and nothing can change that. So those in this room today that know the story really well but have missed the Savior, open their eyes to see that they are welcomed in you through Christ. And for those of us maybe who know the story well and, and know the Savior but have gotten bored with it, Lord, I ask in this upcoming new year that we will have a passion for Jesus. It will matter in our lives. Forgive us when we see Christianity as a hobby or a good luck charm rather than a life with Jesus Christ. Thank you, our perfect God, for receiving an imperfect people to yourself. We are grateful for that. Let us think of your love and your grace when we think of Christmas. And when we think of you at all, let us be people who are convinced of who you are. We ask all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing some good news about Christ.